just to get down I don't know if I can get them, but I got them right The developing stars, whoa Wrecked by the stars, though But they know just who they are The knowledge is deep, man Cause college is bleak, man Knees are the bees, man Deffy happy hour now I trust them with everything Every confidence giving me confidence Hipping this hopping, no really no stopping I'll make you a champion, y'all put a sock in it uh, But this is life, bro They're at it all night, though So you can just drive slow And get down with the Deffy crew Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you are listening, wherever you are listening. This is episode 77 of the Devi Happy Hour. My name is Skip Newton. Today is Thursday, July 22nd, and I am happy to be joined by my co-host from North Carolina, Matthew Jackson. How you doing, Obi-Wan? Doing good, man. Glad to be back here talking some Devi football with you. Things are getting a little busy for me. We got our... our baby shower coming up this weekend and i actually had to go on my first cravings run um this week skip i made it seven months before i had to go on my very first craving run and then my wife looked at me this week and demanded that we have uh what was it it was like sherbet ice cream and dill pickle lace chips that that was her request yeah i was gonna say sherbet ice cream is really good i the the pickles that's that's an odd combo, but that's kind of par for the course when you're when you're pregnant. That reminds me of of a really stupid sherbet story from my past. Um, my wife loves to tell these stories about how ignorant I was when it came to simple domestic things. Um, you know, just general grocery shopping, cooking, basic stuff that that she felt. Every human being, when they leave their their home and go off to college, should have a general understanding of. And one time, I was planning dinner and decided to pick up some some sherbet for dessert. And I go to scoop it out. It was this orange sherbet? We really like the orange. And I go that's to the scoop best, it that's out. The best flavor. Yeah, right. I mean, the rainbow is awesome, but but you know, orange orange is solid. And we go to scoop it out, and there's little chocolate chips in it that I didn't even notice when I bought it. And and she just looks at me, she goes, you didn't notice that? I was like, it didn't even occur to me to look because who puts anything in sherbet? It's just sherbet, right? I mean, you, you need, don't put anything in there. You need and, to take, whoever did that needs to be taken straight to jail. <laughs> I, right, it's like, I mean, I just, you know, and so it's it's those types of stories she loves to tell. And speaking of me being, you know, unable to perform basic household functions i by myself replaced the wax ring on one of our toilets that was leaking today so feeling kind of manly today i'm not gonna lie feeling like i that's why that's why i still rent that's why that's why i still rent our house because if anything breaks i can just call them up and get them to come fix it because i am clueless when it comes to that skip you're talking about basic household chores i'm the guy that still does laundry by throwing everything in the rent cycle and just hitting cold like i I still haven't (laughs) learned how to separate laundry and i'm 28 years old 
I, she tells me I am overly anal retentive when it comes to separating laundry that, you know, I, I do it all by the color. She goes, you know, you really don't have to be that precise on it. I mean, once they've been washed and dried a few times, it really doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, sure. Separate your, your reds from the whites, but other than that, you're probably good. And I said, I know, I just, I like to, whatever. It doesn't matter. I do most of the laundry. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it's just one of those funny things that, that I do, but I'm sure people are tired of hearing about my domestic life. I, I am excited, by the way, that that you're having that baby shower, just to get back to that quick, because that's just one more sign that, that things are progressing quickly and that your life will change in ways that you can't even fathom Man, if she, soon if, enough. If she comes early, like I, I know that, that your firstborn doesn't normally come early, but if she comes early, she's going to be here the end of next month, which is insane to think about. Yeah, that that's true. And and believe me, when once, you know, once they get to that that certain point, I don't know if it's like 37 or 38 weeks, that's when the the doctor says, "Okay, you know, and your your baby's technically full term, so any time now if if it happens, we're going to, you know, we're going to let it happen. They wouldn't do anything to slow it down." And I'm pretty pretty sure that every pregnant woman at that point is ready to give birth at that point. It's like I'm I'm ready to not be pregnant anymore. Let's have this thing early. So my wife got lucky. She, she both of our babies were at least a, about a week. I think a week, a week and a half early. So things went went well in that regard. But we, thanks to you, sir, have a trade to review. So this one kind of caught fire a little bit on on Twitter amongst our circles. So let's just get right into it, and I will let you talk about it first. It's Saquon Barkley for Garrett Wilson and Eric Gray. So tell us about how this trade came together, what you were thinking, and then I'll chime in. So let me pull out. I told you that I had stats and numbers that I was going to bring into this because it may, when you, when you initially look at the tr- this trade, it doesn't appear to look like I know what I'm doing. Um, you, you look at this trade, the, the, the casual dynasty player is going to look at this trade and they're going to see Saquon Barkley on one side. And then they're going to look at the other side and see two unknown Debbie assets who, quite frankly, the majority of the dynasty community may not even know yet. I mean, there, there's only a small percentage of the dynasty community that watches college football. So y- your immediate reaction is to go Saquon side and it's not even remotely close. Um, I I can see how somebody would arrive to that conclusion. What I'm going to ask you to do and what I'm going to ask our listeners to do is to put on their thinking caps for a minute and not just immediately jump to the Saquon Barkley side. And let's dive deep into this, into my thought process and what I'm thinking. And let's let's it would be a disservice for me not to explain my thought process and for us to dive into this and to just look at surface level, because once you dive into it, things start to change a little bit. So, starting off with with the Debbie side, this is a Debbie show, so we're going to start off with the Debbie pieces. I'm looking at Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson, as you know, was my wide receiver one in this upcoming class, and it's not particularly close to me. Um, He finished last season with a 30.9% dominator rating. You can talk to any sort of stat statistical analyst out there, guys that, um, you know, there's film watchers and then there's the stats guys. Well, the stats guys will tell you that if you hit that 30% dominator rating, that's a really good indication for future success in the NFL. And he did that young. He's got the young breakout age. Um, he joins only three, he joins four receivers um, at, at Ohio State to ever play for Ohio State that that surpassed a, a three yards per team pass attempt last year, which which is pretty good. If you're, if you're getting three yards you know, over two and a half 
around three yards per, per yards per team pass attempt, you're doing pretty good. So I'm looking at what Garrett Wilson does well, right? He he gets downfield in a hurry. He's a great route runner. And probably the most phenomenal trait that he has is his ability to go up and get the ball. Um, he, he is probably the best contested catch guy in college football right now. And as we've already talked about, we, we look at these, these NFL mock drafts. We've analyzed them every single week for a little bit. And Garrett Wilson is consistently a first-round wide receiver. When I look at his career arc, the ceiling for a guy of his play style, he reminds me a lot of A.J. Green minus the injuries, a guy that can go up and be a physical, physical guy, climb the ladder, go up and get the ball. That's kind of what I see when I look at Garrett Wilson. When you look at um, Eric Gray, first off, um, Eric Gray is a dual-threat running back, if I've ever seen one. Um, he's a great pass catcher. Um, he finished last season, and mind you, a split backfield that, that on a team that, quite frankly, Tennessee sucked. Okay, They weren't doing very good. And he still finished with 772 yards, four touchdowns on 157 carries, and had 17 127 all-purpose yards. So he was used in the passing game. He was used in the receiving game, uh, the rushing game, and the kick return game. And he was an all-purpose back. Um, He transfers now to Oklahoma on a team that is a lot better than Tennessee ever was. Okay, He's, He's running behind a an offensive line that's ranked eighth in offensive line ranks, according to PFF. They finished last year with an average of 179.7 yards per yards per game rushing. So he's coming onto a team that is that's going to run the ball and is going to be an explosive offense. They've got the Heisman candidate on their team. So when you've got him on your team, you're not going to have safeties. You're not going to have linebackers stacking the box to stop Eric Gray. You've got to be outside stopping Marvin Mims, stopping Jadon Hazelwood and Austin Stogner over the middle. So you're not going to be stacking boxes. He's going to explode this offense. I think there's no conceivable way that he doesn't finish with at least 1,000 yards, probably more closer to 1,100 or 1,200 yards, and at least 300 to 400 receiving yards. He's easily my running back three in this class, and the more I look at it, I might push him up to running back two before it's all said and done. Um, he's, he's compared, if you look at some of his NFL comparisons, people are comping him to DeAndre Swift. Um, I think just on what, what he does, his change of direction without losing speed, his lateral agility, his receiving production, I don't think it's too far a stretch to say that I see a little bit of your hometown boy, Dalvin Cook, and Eric Gray. So when you look at those two guys, I like that package. I'm going to let you respond to that because I'm getting long-winded. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you because you said you said Wilson is your wide receiver one. So overall, Devi running back rankings, where do you have Eric Gray right now? Overall, Devi running backs, he's probably within my top five running backs. No, no, top six. Because I'm forgetting about Jamir. Okay. Gibbs. So, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Take Bigsby, Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, um, Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, and it's not in that order. But I don't feel like ordering them right now. Um, and then you got Eric Gray coming in at six for me. Okay. And you said he could he could move up in this class, of course. Which I think you know, like you said, going to Oklahoma, that absolutely could happen. Um, by the way, you you mentioned a couple players um, comps that were obviously favorable. The the two forty seven comp, you know, back when they when they did their analysis on on Gray was Cream Hunt, another very talented NFL running back. So you're in good company there. I think I think the the concern that I have on your side of the trade isn't that you didn't get two good Debbie players that have a really good chance to be good NFL players. Wilson, like you said, is is virtually a lock 
for a first round pick. I mean, he he's mentioned with three, maybe four other guys in in every mock draft that we have. He's your wide receiver one. He's other other analyst wide receiver one. You know, if you if you ask people to rank their top three or four wide receivers, he he's pretty much in every one of them. So that one is is a gimme. Gray is is the big the big question mark on you know where is he going to end up? You know you've got him you've got him six now. I know a lot of other analysts like him a lot. Some have him farther down, but the general consensus amongst a lot of us is that the top two are well defined in the 2022 running back class: Spiller and Hall. And after that, it's it's kind of this wide open, you know. Anybody can take the spot, right? Anybody can step up. You know, who's going to be Javonta Williams to all of a sudden claim that I am the third best running back in this class? Eric Gray is is definitely amongst those players that could step up and be that guy. The question is how, you know, how good is he going to be, you know, from a draft capital perspective? You know, is he going to do what Williams did and get up into the into the second round? And then now all of a sudden he's a, you know he's a lock, you know first round rookie pick in a dynasty league that that that's not Devi because then you're talking you know you've got two first round assets. The the part that I keep thinking back at is if I'm in a dynasty league that isn't Devi, and I'm trading Saquon Barkley, what do I want in return? And basically this is the equivalent of two first round picks, and I want. I want something more back, and I think given the percentages of the of the poll that was out there, the general consensus agrees with that, and that people think, okay, I could get more for Saquon Barkley. You know, even though he's he's technically on the 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 pup list right now, that's not unexpected, so no big deal there. The idea is, I I want one one more piece back, ideally a a player that's. Young, because I'm going to presume if you're trading Saquon Barkley for two Debbie assets, you're rebuilding. So I want a young piece back that's at least shown potential. And I don't know, I don't know what that piece would be. It could be, you know, maybe a, if if you're a Lavisca Chenault guy, it's him. Maybe it's Brandon Ayuk. Maybe it's Jerry Judy. Someone in that you know range of players to say, okay, I know I'm getting somebody that has already flashed a little bit. And I'm getting two two guys that you know they could flash, they could be good, but you know they're not they're, they haven't even been drafted yet. That that would be where I think you'd see more of a more of a an even you know vote on that because now they're now you feel like okay I'm still not getting the best piece in the deal because I think these Twitter polls generally people vote for okay he had the best asset I'm 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 clicking on that on that side, but. You got enough back where okay, the, the likelihood of at least two out of those three, you know, panning out for you is is pretty good. And now, now you're you're set and you and you made a good you made a good trade. So and, that's and, and I want to address that for a second because um the last time I looked at it, I think I I was losing eighty three to seventeen percent or something like that. And when you look at it, it's not remotely that skewed. I mean, I know people are seeing Saquon Barkley, and that's that's where they're pressing the button at. And I understand that. Yes, I'm. I'll admit to you, I, I probably lost this trade. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off there, but I, I'm not. I'm not conceding that this wasn't a good trade and what I got back. Because when you look when you look at who I was giving up, okay, yes, I'm giving up Saquon Barkley. My argument 
and I had somebody tell me that Saquon Barkley was worth, worth three plus first. My argument is that Saquon Barkley is not the running back that everybody drafted him as and that everybody continues to draft him as. When you look at Saquon Barkley, he's playing behind the next to last ranked um, offensive line in all of all the NFL last year. They ranked, New York Giants ranked 31 in PFF's offensive line ranking. Their, their first round guard that they went out and got, um, Andrew Thomas, allowed 57 pressures at left tackle last season. That was 14 more than any other player at his position. Uh, the the entire offensive line ranked right ranked just dead last or next to last at their position. They were a terrible offensive line unit. When you throw in Saquon Barkley, um, who quite frankly, let's be honest, he, he's got a little bit of an injury history. Okay, when you look at his career, 2015, 2016, when he was in college, he had some ankle sprains, um, came back. I'm not too worried about those. But starting in 2018, you're looking at a pulled hamstring. Um, 2019, you're looking at an ankle sprain. 2020, you're looking at a knee and ACL and MCL tear. Not just an ACL, but we're going to throw the MCL in there. So what I'm trying to say is... You're, you're looking at a guy that, that it's got some injury history playing behind. Yes, they're revamping that, revamping that offensive line a little bit, but he, you're putting an injury-prone running back behind the worst offensive line or next to worst offensive line in all of the NFL. Um, you look at some of his stats over the last season. I'm, I'm excluding that massive freshman year campaign that everybody drafted him as and everybody was excited for. Okay, He, he did phenomenal, uh, but, but when you look at what he did later, that's what I want to talk about. He finished um, 2020 with only one, two, four games over 100 rushing yards. Um, some of the games that he did finish at, let's just read the stats off, eight attempts for 10 yards, 14 attempts for 28 yards, 13 attempts for one yard, um, 17 attempts for 92 yards. He was getting close. 17 attempts for 59 yards. That was in 2019. Flash forward to his lone game in 2020, 15 attempts for six yards, before he went down in game two, okay? This is not the running back that everybody drafted him as coming in. Um, you know, the, the the guy that you had to pay an arm and a leg for and give your firstborn up for to even have a shot at drafting Saquon Barkley. My argument is that Saquon Barkley isn't the three first-round picks running back that everybody's labeling as. I, I'm making the argument that maybe Saquon Barkley isn't the, this dynamic Hall of Fame running back that everybody thinks he is. He's an injury-prone running back who had a great rookie campaign, but is playing behind a terrible offensive line, is never going to be the guy that everybody drafted him as, and has got some question marks on that side where I'm comfortable getting back two first-round picks, two guys that I believe in, okay? I I, I know I'm going along with it, so I'm getting excited, but um, <laughs> you, you, you look at it, okay? I, I trust my Debbie analysis, okay? Every, I've missed a few times. Everybody misses when they look at Debbie guys, but I've got a lot more hits than I do misses when it comes to to rookie drafts and Debbie fantasy football. So I, I trust what I'm looking at. I trust the tape that I'm watching. And the tape that I'm watching tells me that Eric Gray and Garrett Wilson are going to be studs and that losing an injury-prone running back in Barkley while he is being drafted highly, and I probably could have gotten more value, is going to play in my favor in the long run because this is dynasty and I'm playing for the long game. I, I hear you, and I, I hope it works out for you. But I'm yeah, I'm I'm definitely getting more more back. I'm on the three firsts value wise. I think that's where he's at right now. Um, if if he if he has another injury plagued down season, then I think we're going to start to see that value drop. Um, but man, he's he's so talented. Uh, I've seen in a recent startup, he was still the the RB four, so only three running backs went in front of him, which I think is pretty 
pretty par for the for the course on startups. So he's his value is still high, which is my my argument on that. All right. Well, that was a fun one. I, I think, need to time I out, think man. it's I'm, good to re- I need a time out. I'm out of breath. <laughs> it's good to review these trades because I think I think a lot of Devi players out there, that's one of the one of the hardest things to figure out is what where do I value Devi players and Devi picks at? And I continue to push hard on that. You know, the the farther the farther away they are from the NFL, the the bigger risk they are and no matter how good how good they are you just never know what's going to happen I mean you know last year you know last year the draft was was a a real educator for me you know we we looked at all these running backs and there were a lot of running backs that people liked and outside of what four guys Trey Sermon I believe was the fourth one every one of them fell to day three and guys that that people thought, you know, hey, these guys are sneaky good. I mean, we, you know, Kylan Hill, for example, I mean, there were a lot of analysts that I really respect thought very highly of Kylan Hill. He falls to the seventh round. Kenneth Gainwell. You know, yeah, Kenneth Gainwell falls to the fifth round. I mean, Jamar Jefferson, you know, some people liked him, some people didn't, but seventh round again or something like that. I mean, it's just all these players, and that just, you know, it it just tells me, man, you, you just never know where these guys are going to get drafted. And of course it doesn't mean that their, their value is dead and they're never going to be good. I mean, you know, we see late round guys succeed. It's just, it's, it's going to be that much harder. I mean, now, now these guys just have to make the team and then they have to get the opportunity, you know, and that's, that's one of those things where you you never know how it's going to play out. So I, I like talking about trades and that's why at the end of every show, I say, if, if you have trades that you want us to review, you know, throw them at us and we'll talk about it because I think it, it helps to talk it out and figure out, you know, where do you value these guys as far as, as far as trade value. All right. We got some news in, in the college football universe. The first one is, is very sad for me personally, Wake Forest wide receiver, Donovan Green out for the season. This of course is one of my guys. I was very high on him going into last season and continue to be high on him. And man, he he is he's out, so that is a big bummer. I mean, talk about a a killer to to at least three of my campus to Canton rosters. So, ah, uh, too bad. I hate, uh, I hate so it. I hate it, man. Out with an undisclosed injury, and Donovan Gray was or Donovan Green. Well, I said Donovan Gray. That's how much I'm in love with Eric Gray. <laughs> Donovan <laughs> Green is a guy that um that that you would turn me on to that I've got in several C to C leagues and. He had some consistency issues where, you know, he exploded versus UNC and was kind of virtually off the radar in several of the other games last season. So you wanted to see him come in and have a consistent wide receiver one season. So we were all excited for that. Uh, I kind of, it hurt my heart a little bit. I opened the show notes this morning and saw that you had listed that. I had to go look it up. I was like, no, not, not Donovan Green, man. I was, I was, I was upset about that. Yeah, that just came out of nowhere. I mean, and there was a couple other players that have no, you know, Debbie relevance, but yeah, very sad, but hopefully he can he can get back from that, bounce back, and come back next season and play. Again, we have no idea what the injury is. That's pretty common for, for college. They do not have to disclose the injuries. And then other interesting news, there's rumors floating out there that Texas and Oklahoma may be leaving the Big 12, which would be very interesting if they go to the SEC. I'm not sure why the Big 12 would even exist 
if those two teams, I mean, there's not much left. I mean, they're not even 12 right now. I believe they're, they're 10 because we're going to talk about them today. Nice little transition there. But yeah, that, that that's, who knows? It's probably just a rumor, but man, that would be, that would be amazing if they were in the SEC. That would do two things. That would immediately make it so you don't really have to watch Big Ten or Big 12 football anymore. Because <laughs> there's nobody else really kind of worth watching in the Big the Big Twelve minus you know Texas and Oklahoma, and that would immediately um, put them in a conference where they'd be forced to play defense. And I don't know how that works out for for Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, part of Oklahoma's offense is predicated on the fact that they're going to be in shootouts every single game. So I'm not sure if that's the best move for those two teams individually. I mean, that's a hard that's a hard conference to play in. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Big 12's, you know, their defensive philosophy is if, if we let the other team score quickly, we can get the ball back. So that's that's kind of how they, they roll. But you're right. It's not a lot of defense, but it sure makes for a lot of fun games. So I kind of hope that doesn't happen. I like the Big 12 the way it is, but you never know. All right, that is our topic for today. Big 12 Devi players. Starting off with Baylor, I couldn't find any anyone really worth mentioning Matt is there anyone on Baylor that you think we need to talk about from a Debbie perspective you know that I can't come into this podcast and not bring at least one name I'm not sure how how excited I am about him but shout out to uh Debbie K we've already talked about Kane um earlier on the show he was the guy that I traded with so we're gonna we're gonna shout out Kane a little bit more um they're bringing in a three-star recruit this year um Jordan Jenkins um, he comes in. He's got some interesting size to him. 6'1", 202 pounds. So he he's got he's got a pretty sturdy frame to him. Um, he's a true north south runner. Um, he gets up the field in a hurry. He's got little wasted movement, and he's getting put on a team that, quite frankly, doesn't really have anybody else. So I think he's going to be a guy that he's a guy that's interesting to watch. He's a guy that Debbie Kane um, kind of turned me on to and forced me to watch film on. And I, I liked what I saw a little bit. So I think he's a good C to C ad later on um, in your C to C leagues. Interesting that that you mentioned him. You know, you said he's a three star. However, in the and that's a three star composite ranking. In the two forty seven rankings, he's a four star. So, composite, he's RB thirty six. Two forty seven, he's RB eighteen. So could be (laughs) one of those uh, those matrix type fellas that our guy Brian Shikochis talks about, where you know people don't don't notice them if they're only paying attention to the composite rankings. So that is, that is a good find. I like it. I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. So Jordan Jenkins in your deeper Debbie is an incoming freshman running back. So worth noting there. All right, next let's go over to Iowa state and they lost some, I'm sorry, they didn't lose. I'm talking about the guys that are, that are still there all 2022 draft class eligible we've got quarterback Brock Purdy running back Brees Hall and tight end Charlie Kohler I think all these guys are are interesting prospects one certainly better than the others but do you do you think Purdy can bounce back and be a quarterback that can can make some some hay in the NFL um he, he's going to be one of those like tier two guys you're looking at. He's certainly not going to be a tier one guy with the, you know, Spencer, uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, and possibly Malik Willis, depending on how you feel about him. Um, he, he's, I watched his film some this week and last week. And when you look at him, he looks real sporadic sometimes. I mean, he's, he's got a decent enough arm and, and he shows some good mobility, but there's times where he just, 
he looks sporadic and just throws the ball in these weird situations that just you don't try you can't really understand what he's thinking. Um, there he had three games last year where he finished the game with a forty five percent, a fifty percent, and a fifty five percent completion percentage. So while he's got a few games with you know sixty eight to seventy percent, he's got these other games where you're just going, what are you doing? Like he's he's got some like footwork stuff, some mechanics issues that he needs to clean up if he wants to be in some serious talk as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I've heard the term gunslinger with him, and he has that mentality. And I think on on occasion that has served him well, but it feels like it's starting to go the other way more recently, at least at least last season. So we'll we'll see if he can bounce back. Running back Brees Hall, he is pretty much in everybody's top two of the 2022 running back class. My guess is he's taken in every Devi league out there. So, you know, unless it's a really, really thin Devi where they where they restrict the players that go up. So Brees Hall, you know, you, you'll see him at the end of, of mock first rounds. If he doesn't go the end of the first, he's going to go in the second round. I mean, he just he he does it all really. He's he's a very good running back, and I think I think his game can translate to the NFL quite well. Do you have any comments on on Hall before we get into Charlie Kohler? Yeah, you look at Brees Hall, and I mean, it, when you when you watch him, he's either in your he's either your RB one or he's your RB two. Um, and you can't really argue with whatever you put him. Um, I was going to ask you if you had him at one or two, actually, when we when we started talking about him. Um, he's my RB2 right now. I just I like Isaiah Spiller a little bit more. Um, Spiller is more dynamic. Um, he, he's got a little more oomph to him. Um, he's built a little better, and he's doing it in you know the SEC. So I, I'm an Isaiah Spiller guy, but I can't argue you if you have Brees Hall. I mean, he does everything well. He's got great vision, great contact balance. He's got the speed to take it to the, to the house, although he does occasionally get caught from behind. But, yeah, he's he's your tier one of quarterbacks or tier one of running backs, and um, depending on where you have him, you know, he's either one or two. Yeah, I have I have Spiller higher as well, but I, I have flip-flopped on that, so I'm not going to argue really aggressively with, with anybody that, that has Brees Hall over Spiller. I think they're both very, very good. And then I just, I just recently is, I just recently flip-flopped it. <laughs> So did I. So <laughs> that's funny that we're both we're both on that same wavelength. And then the the tight end Charlie Kohler, you know, really if you're if you're looking at tight end production in college, he's up there with the best. I mean, you're not going to find a whole lot of guys that in the last two seasons have has had 51 and 44 catches for nearly 700 and 600 yards respectively, seven touchdowns scored in each season. So Kohler has the has this the production that people like. It's just a matter of, you know, will his his game translate to the NFL? Because if there's anything else I learned in the last draft is boy, predicting tight ends is really difficult. I mean, there were so many guys that got drafted. And, and you know, if you rank them in the order of, you know, here's the tight end one, here's tight end two, it started at tight end three. You're like, okay, really? That's the third tight wait, that's the fourth tight end off the board? Fifth? I mean, it was it was bizarre. And that just tells me that you know, these NFL teams are looking at things that we as fantasy analysts aren't looking at. And it's really hard to predict, you know, where they're gonna go in a draft. And it also doesn't mean that those guys that went before are gonna be better tight ends again from a fantasy perspective. They could be drafted because, hey, this guy's a 
a great blocker and he's going to make our team better. But, you know, we're not going to throw him the ball more than twice a game. So that's the that's the key. I, I mean, I think, it, you know, any NFL team, if you're taking Kohler, you're taking him because of what he can do catching the football. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to hit on. I mean, tight end is probably the biggest position that when you look at the NFL draft circle is has to be a scheme fit. I mean, guys can go tight end three or four like we saw this year, but it's for scheme fit reasons. Guys want somebody that can line up and block or it just do certain things better than other tight ends. And that's why we saw Brevin Jordan slip as far as he did. You know, he was everybody's tight end three and he slips to what the, was it fourth, fifth, fourth or fourth or fifth round, something like that, if not farther. So I think he was fifth round and he was tight end nine off the board. So, I mean, it's such a scheme fit when it comes to tight ends. But like you said, if you're taking Kolar, you're taking him for, you know, his, his receiving production. Had over 13 yards per reception. So he gets down the field. His, he's athletic. He's going to be a great receiving tight end. Um, um, he's not a bad blocker either from the limited film that I've watched him actually blocking somebody. So he's an intriguing option. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Of course, if you're in a, a tight end premium league or a, a two tight end league, then you're going to be a little more interested in that. Otherwise... He's probably not on Devi rosters. All right, let's go into Kansas. There's no place like home. Puka Williams Jr. is gone from the Kansas roster, went to the Bengals, replaced by the one guy that I want to talk about with Kansas, and that is incoming freshman Devin Neal. Devin Neal is a four-star recruit, RB12, according to the 247 sports rankings. And this is one of my favorite incoming freshman running back. And I think it's a good running back class. But the more I watch this kid, the more I like him. I mean, my notes, he's got really good contact balance. He's shifty, fairly elusive, a natural pass catcher with a good burst. He can make a cut and then go. And he has some speed as well. He can he can turn the corner and, and he just doesn't get caught from behind very much. And I like his vision. I mean, that. I really like Devin Neal. What what are you thinking about about this kid? Am, am I off base or or do you like him too? I'm gonna read you my notes real quick, okay? And I feel like you stole my phone, so there's no point in me talking. Okay, here are my notes on Devin Neal. You ready? Shifty. Cuts without losing much speed at all. Home run threat. Great vision. Looks as as comfortable as a wide receiver catching the ball. There were several plays where I watched him toe tap on the sidelines to bring in a reception. So we, we, we noticed a lot of the same things when it came to Devin Neal. I love this kid. I think he's drastically underrated in two four seven sports. Um, I think he needs to be rated higher because he's one of my favorite running backs in this incoming freshman class. And he's going to a team that just lost their starting running back that doesn't have much behind him. So he's going to immediately produce on your C2C roster. And for the prices you can get him at, I mean, I'm seeing him go like late teens in C2C drafts right now. I mean, nobody's really drafting him or paying much attention to him. And that is going to be a mistake come next season. Yeah, I I reached on him in a in one C to C startup and felt really good about it. I I didn't get some of the bigger name running backs at the top, so I had to go go younger and deeper. And and he was one of the guys that I grabbed, and I I I'm really excited that I did. So you guys, you you got to trust us on this one. Devin Neal looks like the real deal. All right, Kansas State, 
again, in my opinion, only one uh, player to talk about, and that's, again, another running back. Deuce Vaughn was a freshman last year and exploded onto the scene. Just 123 carries for 642 yards and seven touchdowns, so that doesn't sound, you know, super awesome in 10 games, but but decent stats. But here's the part that, that you're going to like, 25 catches, 434 yards, and two more touchdowns. So he is a dual-threat running back. The rub on Deuce Vaughn, of course, is he's 5'5", 170 pounds, you know, maybe with, with clothes on, and they've been they've been washed and not dried. So that's that's tough. 55 is that's really short. Um he, he's listed at 55 168 pounds, which tells me that he's not 168 pounds because what college what these college teams do is they overlist their running backs and put on a few more few more pounds to them than probably they weigh. So I mean that's telling me Deuce Vaughn is maybe 55 163 164 maybe. Um, you, you, you look at him. I mean, he's, he's shifty and he's fast. I mean, he's gonna, if he gets into the open field, he's gonna run away from you, but that's because he's five, five, 168 pounds, allegedly. So, I mean, of course you're not going to catch him when, when, when you do catch him, I mean, it's all but over. He's not breaking many tackles. I mean, he's probably, he's pretty much getting drugged down with the first hand that gets onto him. Um, you look at his ceiling and I think his, his absolute ceiling is like a Darren Sproles, Philip Lindsay type career arc. I think they do a lot of the, a lot of the same things. Um, Lindsay is a little bit bigger, but I, I see a lot of Philip Lindsay when I watch uh, Deuce Vaughn, and that does you know quite frankly just doesn't make me all that excited from an NFL in Davy perspective. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's more of a C to C asset than he is a, a Devy asset. But worth mentioning, a very good freshman season. So all right. Get to one of the big boys, the aforementioned Oklahoma Sooners. Lots to talk about here. We're going to begin with really only one key loss, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back that went to the Patriots. They had two, yeah. key, they had two key losses. <laughs> oh, did I miss somebody? Yeah, you missed their, their running back, Seth McGowan, who's now running from the lull or, or, or something like that. <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> you're right. I, I was focusing on guys that went to the NFL, not guys that are going to prison. I, allegedly, allegedly, he's sorry. That's not innocent until proven guilty. On that one. But yeah, Seth McGowan is is out of the program, and if you have him, you, you just let him go. He's he's he has no value. So I saw him get drafted get in the C. I saw him get drafted in the C to C league yesterday. Albeit it was like round thirty nine, but still, I mean that's such a wasted pick. <laughs> Yeah, that that's like the the people that every once in a while you see when the waivers run in your leagues and they pick up Darius Geis. It's like, eh, I don't think he's coming back. But anyway, quarterbacks, uh, Oklahoma is becoming quarterback you, and they've got who many people think will be the not only the first quarterback taken in 2022, but could be the first overall player taken in Spencer Rattler. Uh, do you like Spencer Rattler, Matt? Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Spencer Rattler. I think he's a he's a he's a decent quarterback. Um, I think if anybody's going to win the Heisman, you've got to put Spencer Rattler as the front runner. I mean, he's bringing back. We've already talked about it. Essentially, all of his pieces. Um, he's on the most explosive offense. Um, he's playing in a conference that doesn't play defense. He's going to put up the stats. And his only competition this year really was Sam Howell, and Sam Howell lost 
2,000-yard rushers and 2,000-yard receivers. So they're going to be rebuilding a little bit. And I just I don't see a, a, an, an arc where, you know, somebody competes with the kind of stats that Spencer Rattler is going to put up. I mean, he got benched earlier on last season, came back in, and was a different quarterback, commanded the offense, um, ran it to near perfection. I mean, he throws these, these crazy arm angle passes. I mean, he's extending plays using his rushing, the, the rushing upside he has, and he's got a, you know, electric arm. I mean, he's a very, very special arm talent quarterback. Um, I do, I am a little bit afraid. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to be all sun signs and rainbows and hard eyes. Okay. I feel like I've done that too much with Spencer Rattler. Um, Lincoln Riley has shown that he is not afraid to bench his quarterbacks if they're not playing very well. He did it last year. He's he's not afraid to do what needs to be done to get the best play out of his quarterback. The problem with that is they've got an incoming freshman, five-star recruit by the name of Caleb Williams, who I would argue is better than Spencer Rattler is. Okay, I love Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be a better quarterback prospect by the time it's all said and done. Um, he does something that Spencer Rattler doesn't do and provides a unique rushing upside that Spencer Rattler just doesn't have. And he's still got the arm that Spencer Rattler has. I mean, they're reloading at quarterback. They're getting another one that's dynamic. And I'm afraid that if Spencer Rattler gets benched for some odd, unforeseen circumstance, there's a chance he might not come in as easily as he did last year. Boy, that would be something, wouldn't it? If the if the guy that everyone thinks is going to go early first round and be the first quarterback off the board gets benched, I I can't imagine a scenario playing out that way. But strange things happen, and you're right about Caleb Williams. He is everybody's number one quarterback in the 2024 eligible class, so incoming freshman this season. Yeah, he's exciting. I mean, he has all sorts of athletic ability, and he is the definition of a dual threat you know, they don't, they don't break them down that way on 247 anymore. It's just quarterbacks. But if they were still breaking it down between pro style and, and dual, he would be the dual number one. So he is he is awesome. Uh, switching into running backs, of course, we already talked about him. I don't think we need to get him in anymore. It's, it's Eric Gray, and he is the running back to own at Oklahoma. Do you think there's anyone else on that roster that – that's really worth it from a Debbie perspective. I didn't write anybody down because I don't think anyone else is worth our time, but you tell me. I think it, I think it's Eric Gray's backfield, and he's going to be the one that comes in and puts together, you know, fifteen to 1,700 all-purpose yards. We've already talked about him. I love him. If there's a guy that's maybe going to command some carries, it's going to be Kennedy Brooks coming back from the injury. He was a 1,000-yard rusher before he got injured. So he is going to come back in and possibly steal some carries away to where, you know, um, got to where, to where Eric Gray doesn't just go off. But this is still Eric Gray's backfield. He's the better back, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, and, and from a Debbie perspective, I'm okay with that, right? I, I don't need my my high-end Debbie running backs to get, you know, 30, 30 touches a game. I mean, that, all that's going to do is potentially injure them and wear them down. I mean, I want them to get a, a full workload so they prove they can do it, but uh, you know, splitting time with another back to, to keep them both fresh makes a lot of sense. So I, I think, you know, Debbie players should not panic if the guy that they like isn't getting as many touches as, as they want. You know, if they're only getting, you know, five to 10 touches a game, then that's, that's a concern. But, you know, as long as they're getting around 15, don't worry about it. That's all good. All right, wide receivers, and there's a truckload of them, and it's really tough to kind of, you know, parse out which guys are the ones that are true Debbie assets and which guys 
probably aren't going to make it. We'll start with the guys that are eligible next spring, 2022. We've got Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, and Mike Woods, the transfer from Arkansas. Which of three these three guys do you like best? I've got to go Jaden Hazelwood there. I know he, he's got some injury history to him, and um, but, but he is coming back. He's the more dynamic guy out of those three. I mean, he's got big play potential. You know, he has the ability to, to, to make the contested catch, make these spectacular one-handed catches. He's the higher-rated recruit out of all of them. And quite frankly, Skip, Theo Weiss has had his shot last year and did absolutely nothing with it. So until he comes in and shows me differently, give me at least the guy that I haven't seen do it yet that there's a higher rate of prospect and is more athletic than the other two. Yeah, speaking of Weiss, he had 37 catches for 530 yards and four touchdowns. So not not the exciting breakout that I think we were all hoping for. Not horrible. I mean, it's not like, you know, career dead, but you know, you, you wanted to see Weiss do a little bit better. I agree with you. I do have Hazelwood higher up uh, in that list. He, of course, is a five-star recruit, was the number one wide receiver in his class, coming off a torn ACL. So we need to see what he can do coming back because his his sophomore season was cut short, unfortunately. Getting to the other wide receivers, we've got last year's freshman Marvin Mims who looked really good and then we've got a few guys coming in this season Mario Williams Cody Jackson and Jaleel Farouk tell me about these four guys where do you have them ranked on your wide receiver list so I'm going to start with uh, Debbie Asset first and that's um, incoming sophomore wide receiver Marvin Mims he was the best wide receiver on their roster yesterday he has an ability to stretch the field he's a smaller guy but it's kind of in the same mold of Hollywood Brown when he was playing for Oklahoma they kind of do a lot of the same things um so he he exploded last year took um took use of Spencer Rattler's deep ball and was the most interesting wide receiver on that roster. So he's the one to pay attention to. He's going to be starting on the outside. I think Jaden Hazelwood is going to be starting on the outside. And then you're going to look at maybe Theo Weiss in the slot. Um, Mario Williams is going to be a guy that a lot of people are in love with and a guy that a lot of people are excited for. Um, I'm going to say something a little hot takey, uh, but I don't think there's a, there's a great career path, or not career path, but at least freshman path, for Mario Williams this year. I just don't see path to immediate production. His game is a lot of the same game that Marvin Mims does. I mean, they do a lot of the same things. They're that deep, that smaller wide receiver that's a deep threat um, that takes the top off the defense. And Marvin Mims has already proven that he can do that and has his spot secured. I don't know if Mario Williams is going to be a guy that's going to get many snaps his freshman year. A guy that I do like a whole lot um, this year is incoming freshman, um, Cody Jackson. He's got the he's got some nice size to him. I think his size is intriguing. He's got that NFL frame, so I, I like him in his game a little more right now than Mario Williams. And I don't know it's hot takey, so I'm I'm waiting to hear what you have to say about it. Actually, I I like the point that you brought up in that he does a lot of the same things that Marvin Mims does, and that that's a problem when. Marvin Mims is just a sophomore. I mean, he's not going anywhere for two more seasons. Doesn't mean they can't coexist, you know, once a couple other guys leave, but, you know, you can only get so many guys involved. And 
you know, Mims had a very good, you know, freshman year. I mean, he had 37 catches, 610 yards, nine touchdowns. That's right. He scored nine times. Very impressive there. And he returns kicks and punts, mostly punts. So he had 13, 13 returns for 162 yards. So he averaged 12 and a half yards on punt returns, which we've talked about is one of those skills that we really like to see in, in wide receivers because it's not easy. And it shows that they've they've got a lot of ability to to you know use quick twitch, make guys miss, accelerate you know into open space, and that translates really well to the NFL. I mean, NFL teams if they can if they can grab a guy and immediately put him on special teams, that's a plus. I mean, it, it's one more one more thing that they've got going for them. So I would agree on on Marvin Mims is the guy. I like that you you also like Cody Jackson because I I have him as one of those intriguing uh, deeper you know players coming out of the this really deep wide receiver class. He he was wide receiver six on the two forty seven rankings, and he's got he's got the size you know six feet one seventy five. He got enough speed to get deep and good hands. So I, I'm I'm intrigued by by him as well. I just think with with a lot of these freshmen, we're going to have to to you know play the game of wait and see. It's just there's there's so many of them that you know that you they can only throw the ball to so many people. I mean, it's it's almost like you know like Ohio State and USC where it's like okay, who's going to come out of this mess? Tight ends are kind of interesting as well. Um, a couple of guys, you know, Austin Stogner and Jalen Conyers, two talented tight ends. Who knows? You know, if if either one of these two guys. We'll we'll get enough to to draw the the eyes of the NFL, but you know they 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 are worth mentioning. I mean, Stogner had 400 yards last season and three touchdowns, averaged 16 16 yards a catch. So Stogner, those are good tight end numbers. Stogner is an interesting guy. I mean, you look at him; he gets off the line really fast. He's physical. He high points the ball really well. Um, he seemed to be you know Spencer Rattler's security blanket last year. Um, you know, when they weren't throwing the ball deep to Marvin Mims, when they needed a third down conversion, when they needed to get that first down, um, Austin Stogner was the guy that they went to more often than not. And he's got secure, soft hands. And he's a guy, he put up some good stats. So he's he's one of those interesting guys that might go a little higher come NFL draft time than a lot of people think he will. Exactly. I mean, he, and he's 6'5", 260. So he's a, he's a big kid. I mean that's that's gonna get you noticed too. I mean you got that kind of size already, um, you know, listed as as six six two thirty five when he was coming out of out of high school. That's on two forty seven. But if you look at him on on the uh, Sports Reference website, it's six six two sixty two. So I mean that that is all the kind of size that these NFL teams love. So a lot of Debbie assets there on Oklahoma. Let's get into Oklahoma State. They lost a couple of guys that, honestly, it felt like everybody was higher on them a year ago than than when they turned out to be now. Uh, Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace. Hubbard, of course, going to back up Christian McCaffrey with the Panthers. And Tylen Wallace, one of two wide receivers drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. So clearly the Ravens are, are looking to improve their passing game. Unfortunately for, for Wallace fans, including myself, that's not the greatest landing spot, especially when he was the second guy that they took. So not good for them, perhaps there. Although Hubbard, who knows in that offense if if something happens to McCaffrey again. But they've got a couple of 
of guys, I, I called out a couple of quarterbacks that are at least intriguing, probably not great WS at Spencer Sanders and Shane Illingworth. Either one of these guys, you know, maybe in deeper leagues, should people be interested in, or do you think these guys are just college quarterbacks and that's the end of their their career? I personally think they might just be college quarterbacks, but if anybody's going to break out between these two and maybe have an NFL future, I kind of, I mean, Spencer Sanders is intriguing at least. I mean, he's mobile. Um, he's got a pretty good deep ball, puts the ball, you know, has good placement on some of his balls, you know, puts it away from the cornerback. So he needs to take care of the ball a little better. He turned, he turned it over a little more than I'd like to see him. Um, he's, probably in my tier three of quarterbacks. I mean, he he kind of is in the same mold of a guy that we talked about earlier in Brock Purdy. I just think he does it a little better. Yep, I, I would agree there. I don't I don't think these guys are all that all that exciting. Let's go into uh, TCU. They do have a couple of exciting prospects. Uh, both were freshmen last season, so they are 2023 eligible. Zach Evans at running back and Quinton Johnson at wide receiver. There's a lot to like with these guys. Talk about both of these players. There's a lot to like with with both of these players. I'm going to start with Zach Evans first. Um, He came in and was probably um, the best-looking running back um, coming into his freshman season. He was a guy that – he was the number one rated running back in his class. Five-star recruit, had this crazy recruiting trip – Ended up with TCU being TCU's highest rated recruit. And it took him a while to get on the field. Coaches didn't exactly put him on the field right away. But when they did, he had some pretty good games. Okay, He put up some stats. Um, When you dive into his film, though, there's some stuff that I don't necessarily like. Um, I think he's got some room for improvement. Okay, I watched, shout out to Brandon Lejeune at Debbie Deep Dive. If you don't follow him, he's a great guy. Make sure you follow him. He makes all these amazing... um, college football cutups that allow you to watch some of these guys. And he's got one where it has every single touch or every single time Zach Evans touched the ball. And I noticed a trend when I watched Zach Evans run the ball. And that was, that was the scary trend of he has this tendency to run straight up the middle a lot. And I mean, the majority of his runs while, while he is getting some nice yardage on it, he's got the speed and he can kind of shake people a little bit he doesn't have the lateral agility that I seem to see coming into his freshman year. Uh, there was something that seemed a little off about it. I'm hoping that was just a weird year and he's going to come back and make me eat my words. Like I want the kid to succeed, but he runs a lot up the middle, has very little lateral agility that he showed. doesn't really bounce the ball to the outside like he should. And we already talked about it, Skip. Coaches pay attention to head problems. If you've got some attitude issues and stuff between the head, the ears, I mean, that was one of the reasons that Tamorion Terry slipped so far in the NFL draft that he did. Zach Evans has got some stuff there that are, that is some cause for concern, okay? he's He was on the road to, to a state championship game. Coach asked for his phone. He refused to give up his phone, and he got benched in the state championship game. Like, he's got... He's young. He's a young kid. I'm hoping that's just some behavioral problems as a young kid. But it's some stuff that you as Debbie owners need to be paying attention to because darn sure well NFL coaches are paying attention to it. Absolutely. I mean, you you only want to hear about these guys from a playing perspective or, you know, cool things that they're doing in the community, that kind of stuff. Not, you know, just random crap. It's like, okay, what were you thinking? Why are you doing that? So that's a good point. Uh, he could potentially be a head case. One guy that alls we're talking about is what he does on the field, and that is Quentin Johnston, a wide receiver. This guy really exploded onto the scene last season. 
surprise some people. I don't think I don't think everybody was expecting this. I mean, he didn't have a ton of catches, only 22 in eight games, but 487 yards and a 22-yard average. And really where he's drawing attention is how he plays the game. And he's got pretty good route running. Um, I, I, we broke him down. You know, you, you mentioned Brandon Lejeune. As one of his, you know, Debbie deep dive the the dashboard members, we we broke this down on film and we picked a few guys and he was one of them that I was a part of, and it was a it was a fun exchanging of ideas, but one of the things we noticed is that he could be a little more crisp on his cuts at times, but he does create some pretty good separation and he has a nice cutback, so he can he can use his speed or the threat of his speed to to make the defensive back think that he's going to go over the top and go past him. And then he cuts back and, and he's just got, you know, five yards of space for a quarterback to get him the ball. Uh, he's got really good ball skills and hands. I mean, he, he uses his height. I don't think we mentioned that uh, six, four to go up and, and catch the ball at a high point, which I really love and good at using his body to shield defenders. And he's got, he's got the long speed so he can get past defenders and not get caught from behind and, He's good after the catch. So there's a lot to like, I think, uh, Quentin Johnson. And, you know, he he could be one of those players where his his quarterback situation and the offense holds him back from putting up the kind of production that is really eye-popping. But the traits that we see in him are the traits that NFL teams are going to like, and he's going to look really good you know, in, in, in the, in the film, and that's going to get them, you know, drafted, you know, day one or day two. I mean, yeah, you, you look at stats and you don't have to put up these eye popping massive stats to be a good NFL receiver. I mean, Ohio state receivers have made a living off of that their entire career. I mean, Michael Thomas was not a guy that was breaking stat boards when he was in college and turned out to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So, I mean, as long as you have the traits, that's what these coaches are looking for. Yep, I, I would agree 100%. All right, we've got just a few teams left. Uh, the big one is next, along with Oklahoma, of course, it's Texas. They've got a lot to like. Key losses, Sam Ellinger, their quarterback, finally moving on. He goes to the Colts, and uh, Brennan Eagles, a wide receiver, going to the Cowboys. I actually had to look that up. I could not remember where he went. So we've got Eagles playing for the Cowboys. That's kind of interesting. Left over, who who's going to be quarterback in Texas? I know you liked Hudson Card. Is he going to be the guy, and do we still like him from a Devy perspective? I don't see anybody else that's going to take over at quarterback for Hudson Card. I think um, Jaquin and Jackson was there as well, um, but I didn't really like him all that much. I mean, Card has the, the dual threat potential. He's got a, a pretty good arm, so I just don't see a path where, where he's not the starting quarterback come camp. Um, he's definitely going to have some help. <laughs> um, he's got some ex- some wide receivers I'm si- excited for. And Skip, I don't know if you knew this, but he's got a pretty decent running back um, to hand the ball off to as well. That he does. That, of course, is Bijan Robinson, who is maybe everybody's RB1 in, in college football. I mean, the, the guy just does it all. I'm maybe not your number one, but whatever He's at least 83% of everyone's number one. How's that? He's pretty good. I mean, I personally have Tech Bigsby as running back one. Skip, we made it 58 minutes without me mentioning Tech Bigsby. How's that for 
How's that for restraint? <laughs> I know. We had to go extra long just so you could get Tank Bigsby in. All right, show's over. We're done. <laughs> no, there, there's really just nothing else to say about Bijan Robinson. I mean, this guy is a stud. He's got first-round draft capital written all over him. He's He does it all. So let's just move on. Wide receivers, that's another ball game. There, there are some interesting names here. Uh, Jordan Whittington and Josh Moore are 2022 eligible. Not sure these guys are on Debbie rosters unless you're in a deep league. I mean, they're they're intriguing college players. I just don't see that translating to the NFL. I don't know about you. You can chime in if you do. The next two guys, however, though, Troy O'Meary is eligible in 2023, and Xavier Worthy is an incoming freshman, 2024 eligible. These guys... I think are are a little more exciting in that they've got the potential to be to be pretty good. I really liked what I saw from Xavier Worthy when I'm watching film of incoming freshmen. And I know one of our favorites, Felix Sharp, big time fan of Troy O'Meary. So what do you think of those two guys? I want to talk about Xavier Worthy first because I wrote down two words when I watched um, Xavier Worthy that I really think describes him. And those two words, Skip, are game breaker. When you look at what Xavier Worthy does, he runs very crisp routes, consistently gets separation. Reminds me a lot of what Devontae Smith did to get separation um, last season. When the ball is in his hands, Man, the game's over, okay? You're not catching this kid. He's dynamic. I mean, phenomenal in open space. So he, he's got that just not dynamic playmaking ability that I love, okay? I'm drafting Xavier Worthy everywhere I can, quite frankly. Um, I hope that you like him as well because in our C2C league, we are going after Xavier Worthy. Um, just a heads up. Um I also do like Troy O'Meary. He's got really good size. I mean, he comes in NFL right. He's 6'3", 227 pounds. He's coming off a torn ACL, but he has the chance to be a dynamic receiver on the edge. They've got kind of a thunder and lightning, if you want to call it a wide receiver. They've got a big body guy who can climb the ladder and get the ball. And they've got a guy that's just going to break the game wide open in Xavier Worthy. Yeah, and we're, we're definitely focusing on these two younger players. You know, I this is what I wrote down on Xavier Worthy. And I, I will tell everyone right now, Matt and I do not share our notes on players before podcasts. Like when we when we're reading these, it's the first time the other one's ever read them or heard them. So legit. My my comment on his is legit speed. It can make big plays from anywhere. Good yards after the catch. So absolutely we're seeing the same thing. He he has a, a verified 10 10.55 and he ran a 21.41 in the 200. So this kid can fly. And he's wide receiver 13, according to 247 Sports. And yeah, that the upside is is significant. He's, you know, he's 6'1, 160 now. So, you know, on a 6'1 frame, he can definitely put on put on weight. So we like what we see there. And you know, Troy O'Meary, you know, he he needs the opportunity. I mean, he's got all the size like you talked about. We just we need to see him him play, and then I think he could be one of those guys that that really draw, you know moves moves his stock up quite a bit if he can if he can play a healthy season and get back and show everybody you know what he can do because he's got he's got some talent for sure. I'm going to tell you right now if there's the, a 
I haven't liked a guy like Xavier Worthy since, I mean, DeMond Demas. I mean, that's how excited I am about this kid. So, I mean, I'm, I think he's going to be dynamic this year. I like him a lot. Well, and, and to speak to his, his speed, his comp on 247 was Deshaun Jackson. And we all know Deshaun Jackson can absolutely fly. So there you go. The last guy I want to talk about, and it's another incoming freshman, his 247 sports ranking is he's the number one athlete coming in this season. So the number one rated athlete, 6'3 235, Jatavian Sanders. Now, last I heard, he is playing tight end, which if a guy is that athletic and is playing tight end, that's enough to get me incredibly excited. So he, he played both sides of the ball in high school. I mean, he played defensive end as well. But he is incredibly gifted. And you watch him watch him play. I mean, he is strong. He's fast. He's explosive. He's got good hands, great agility. We're talking about a tight end. I know we don't, we don't pump tight ends <laughs> big time on the show, but he's kind of got the athletic traits that are that are too good to ignore as far as I'm concerned. What do you think about this kid? I haven't watched much of him, but when you look at what he does, I mean, he's got that first-round projection um, on 247 Sports. He's copped a John New Smith, so, I mean, you can take that how you want it. I mean, Smith is an athletic tight end, and that's what you're getting out of out of this kid. Um, he's shows he, I mean, he shows pretty decent speed. Um, he, he's got a smaller frame, so he's more of an inline tight end, I think. It's kind of his career arc. But, I mean, you, you talk about playmaker. I mean, this kid played wide receiver in high school and then came back and played the other the other length of the field at defensive end. So, I mean, this kid is – that tells me that he's a physical type of player. I mean, you're not playing in the trenches at defensive end if, you, if you're not afraid to hit somebody and get hit. So, uh, I, he, he's an intriguing guy that I'm going to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's worth in in C to C leagues. I mean, he's going to go in in drafts because you know you get a lot of times you got like fifteen rounds, so you know there's a there's a lot of players to be taken. But yeah, he's he's one of those I I hope to get at least at least one or two shares of. All right, moving on. Texas Tech. We've got a few guys that are at least intriguing. The, the, probably the biggest one is Tyler Shuck of uh, Oregon transfer, and he is getting some publicity as a guy that could step up and sneak into that not maybe top tier of 2022 quarterbacks, but perhaps tier two. Do you think Tyler can be good enough to where we should be considering him for our Debbie rosters? Here's the thing with that. I know he's Brandon Lejeune's guy, but he, quite frankly, he was the guy that was supposed to step up last year. And when you watched Oregon last year, you saw anybody but Tyler Shuck stepping up. Uh, I mean, Tyler Shuck just didn't play that well last season. Um, hopefully, this transfer to Texas Tech kind of gives him a, a better, a better arc. Kind of, kind of is a new change of pace for him, and he excels there. You know, I'm never going to root for anybody not to excel, but he's he's in my you know next tier of quarterbacks, probably tier three until he proves otherwise. I mean, he's got to come out and really show me something because I've been waiting for him to step up for about a year and a half. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. We've got another quarterback coming in, Baren Morton. He's an incoming freshman. 
you know, he he's who knows if, if this guy's gonna be good. I don't think he's super high on everyone's radar, so he probably shouldn't be on on Debbie radars unless you're in really deep leagues. Running back, Sir Roderick Thompson is an intriguing player. Um, not sure if his game is gonna gonna translate to the NFL or not. I mean, decent speed, uh, decent vision as well, but he's not not dynamic uh, or shifty in, in my opinion, but he's got a nice little quick cut that at least that he can use to explode, explode into a hole. Um, but that, that's about it for me. I just, I just don't think he's going to find a much of a, of a place on, a, on an NFL team, at least, at least enough to, to be fantasy relevant. What do you think? He's got a nice spin move. I mean, he, he definitely played Madden and knows how to hit that circle button. Um, he kind of puts defenders <laughs> on skates um, quite frequently when you're watching him. He's got some nice long speed to him, got some good vision. He's patient, but he's not that dynamic, just electric threat in the backfield that you're looking to draft. I mean, he's kind of a running back by rotation type of guy in the NFL. I think that's what, what you're looking at when you draft him. Yep, and wide receiver Eric Azukanma, another guy that's just kind of a, a decent player, Um going to have a solid college career but I don't know if that's going to going to translate to the NFL as well would you agree with that yeah he doesn't he doesn't fight through press well enough um he doesn't really get off contact his his hand finding is non-existent and he doesn't really create separation and if you're a wide receiver that I'm interested in you got to be able to create separation yeah I think that is the number one thing that a lot of these NFL teams are looking for these days the last team is West Virginia I only found one player that I wanted to bring up uh Caden Prather an incoming freshman his film was intriguing to me. I liked what I saw. I think this kid has a chance to be interesting at the very least. What do you think about Caden Prather? I'm going to have to defer to this one to you, Skip. I, I kind of <laughs> I got so busy looking at my Debbie trades that I made and the other nine teams we talked about. I kind of kind of skipped out on West Virginia. You know, you look at West Virginia as a as a whole as a team. You know, somebody has got to be the bottom of the barrel. And West Virginia is unfortunately that team. <laughs> yeah, so I'll I'll talk about him really quick. He's a, a four star recruit, uh, 6'3", 197 pounds. He, he comes in as wide receiver forty five. So he's down the list. And I I only looked at him because he was mentioned by our guys, our friends over at campus to Canton. But again, still a, a four star recruit, and he's got a, a verified four dot six. 40 so good speed I like his burst after the catch he uses his body well on contested catches he was used in in wide receiver screens and end arounds as well uh, pretty good yards after the catch reliable hands so just a, a solid all-around wide receiver and I think you know that that six six three height intrigues me that he you know he can do a lot of these a lot of these things that you see you know smaller quicker wide receivers do so that's the part that I was kind of like all right let's let's see what this guy can do at West Virginia I think he's he's at least worth a shot again deeper leagues but definitely campus to Canton because you know when you're doing your freshman and free agent draft you're going to get plenty deep to get a guy like this on your roster so Caden Prather is someone to look out for in the future as well that is it. Next week, we're going to come back with the Pac-12. So that will finish up our Power 5. We'll do the Group of 5 next, and then we can get into our freshman rankings. Just kind of a little tease as to what's coming up. Of course, we are part of the Dynasty Happy Hour team of podcasts with Tim Keller, Doug Eddy, and Tyler Gunther. We They record every Sunday night, so love that show. Randall Memphis Young also hosts the DHH Contractor, and then the IDP Power Hour is back as well. Matt, why don't you tell everyone 
all the stuff that you've got going on. So you guys can find me on Twitter at Devi Matt. Um, plenty of guys recently have found me on Twitter um, thanks to that trade. So join in on it. <laughs> Tell me why I'm an idiot and shouldn't have made that trade. I'd, I'd love to debate that with you. Um, always, always love to interact with you guys. It's always a blast for me. I enjoy it. So find me on Twitter there at Devi Matt. You can find my Patreon just that I just started um, at patreon.com slash Devi database. We'd love if you guys check that out. We've got three podcasts on there. we got a player breakdown of uh, DJ Uyunglele, and I've got my rankings there um, that I'll have have you no skip i'm doing something that you, you can't really find anywhere else um i'm i'm ranking um the incoming um the the incoming class the, this year's rookies class comparing them to last year's rookie class and comparing them to the 2022 eligible guys so you've kind of got a group of three three people three uh tiers of guys you know that, that i'm ranking putting up against each other so that guys you know that follow me can kind of see where to make these trades how to value them compared to guys that are in the nfl uh that just came in or and getting ready to enter the nfl so we're excited about that uh patreon.com slash debbie database check it out awesome i love it i love the discussion as well on on the slack channel so yeah everyone needs to definitely check that out it's really good stuff of course, I am Skip Newton, at Skip Newton 31 I'm a Debbie team writer covering the ACC for the NFLDraftBible.com, which is powered by Fan Nation on Sports Illustrated. So really excited to be a part of that group. We've got you covered for everything Debbie Dynasty NFL Draft. It's all players and positions, not just fantasy football stuff. And I do both Dynasty and Debbie rankings, and I'm tweaking those you know, probably you know every few days as as stuff comes out. Obviously, with with the Cam Aker news, he, I dropped him in my rankings because, man, that's just a devastating injury for a running back. So you know, go out there, find him, and if you have any comments on that whatsoever, we I'd love to talk about him and tell you why I have him where I ranked uh, where I ranked them. So that would be good discussion. If you have any trades to talk about, throw them our way. We'll get them on a podcast. Absolutely. So. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate all of you. We uh, hope that this stuff is helping you. If you've got anything else you want us to cover, let us know. In the meantime, everyone, be a good human. Row the boat.